0: Let's make our confession. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. I thought my wife was going to preach my message this morning. She started talking about courage. And uh, this morning, I want to go into a message that I titled Overcoming Discouragement. (coughs) Excuse me. Overcoming Discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? It's like asking, Are you human? Because everyone has gone through it. Even those that have been very successful in life, they will admit to being discouraged. Even very great preachers have admitted to struggling with discouragement. You have somebody like Martin Luther, the reformer. He struggled with discouragement. We have people like Charles Poisson, the preacher of preachers. He also struggled with discouragement. And in our modern time, I many of you know T.D. Jakes. Uh, he struggled with discouragement almost to the point of quitting. That's how this thing is. But we need to find out from God's Word when this thing comes and it will come how to handle it. How do I handle discouragement? What do I do to get out of discouragement so that I can have that courage that God wants you to have to go into your promised land? You know this, the scripture my wife read? That's taken from Joshua chapter 1. They were going into the promised land and they, God knew, even though God had told them, I have prepared the land for you. I, this is God. I'm going ahead of you. God still knew they needed courage because Some things will come in the way to distract, to discourage. And so God says, be of good courage to get into that land. What's the definition of discouragement or being discouraged? The the definition is actually found in the word. Discourage. To be without courage. The absence of courage and that what that is is when that's going on in your life you feel like just giving up or you've already given up the desire to pursue whatever your goal was whatever you were pursuing is gone you are less confident less hopeful of the future You feel you've done everything you know to do, and and it's not worked. I don't want to try it anymore. You just want to just quit. And that's what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But, when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We don't have the whole picture. It seems to us that it's not going to work. I'm not getting there. But look at what the scripture says. When desire, because you're looking for something. You have a hope in your heart. You're pursuing after it. And now something has come in the way and you're discouraged. You don't know what to do. But notice the word it says, when desire comes. In other words, when your desire is fulfilled, it is, uh, it is a tree of life. You remember the word, the tree of life? These words, found in the garden of Eden, right? <laughs> the, the tree of, the, of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, and the tree of life. When your dream comes true, notice the word that is used, when, not if. When. So you decide what side you want to stay on. You want to stay on the part that says your heart gets sick? Or you want to stay on the part of tree of life? Tree of life. When someone is discouraged, most likely, most likely you stay in that place where your heart is so sick and you don't want to even try anymore. What are some of the things that cause discouragement? Number one, fatigue. You're going and going after this thing over and over again and it's still there. The problem is not solved. You are emotionally exhausted. Your emotional energy is completely gone, depleted. And you don't know what else to do. So it's time to quit. Second, number two. Seeming endless difficulties. Too much to do. And no one is helping you out. It seems like you are on your own and alone. So you get discouraged. Sometimes you complain. Number three. Repeated failure, you try and you fail. You try and you fail. But if you have courage, we say, well, I failed, that's knowledge of one way it will not work. i try another way. But repeated failure, trying and over, over and over again, can get you so discouraged. But God says, don't quit. Always we'll stay with it. Number four, opposition. And opposition can come from the difficulties dealing with it, or it's opposition from people. You're trying to get it done, and and things are coming at you, and you're not able to get what what you need to get done. done. And along with that, criticism. When people start criticizing what you're doing and telling you, (laughs) what makes you think you can get this thing done? And they begin to put to them, well, I tell you what, we don't think this is going to work. I think you're wasting your time. I think you better do something better. (laughs) Don't you have something else to do? As you hear those words, guess what? And you begin to internalize them. You just want to quit. It's easier to just give in. Just quit. And sometimes it's just the fear of being criticized. Because what will they say if I fail? You heard? I'm trying, so I'm just going to quietly quit. Because what will they say? Number five. Former support suddenly taken away. You've been helped by somebody all all along. And things have been going because they add to whatever you're doing. And then all of a sudden it's no longer there. Or you've been working in a place for so long. And they've given you promise you always work here. <laughs> it's going to be good. Now the support is caught, suddenly the fire you. And you're so discouraged you don't even want to try to look for a job. You just want to sit back there. These are things that happen to us in life. But we're going to come into, how does God help us with our discouragement? How do we get, you know, plow through this and get to a place where we have courage to work? What does God do to get us back to where we're supposed to be? Number five, sometimes illness. Especially when it's not bulging to medicine and what doctors are saying. And you go to one expert, they tell you one thing. You go to another expert, they tell you something different. And, and, and you're wondering, am I going to ever get through this? What's going on? What's happened to my life? And even though people come to you and they're trying to tell you, don't worry about it. Let's pray. Let's believe God. God will open the door. Yeah, yeah. you say, yeah, I know that. And then they start quoting the scripture. You end it up, with the, end it up for them. But you're not still encouraged, you're still there and wondering, did I do something wrong? Why is this all happening to me? And the weakness that comes with it brings in that fear. And you're not willing to fight. Sometimes people are not willing to fight anymore. Number seven is very important. Satanic attack. Sometimes we forget that there is a, there's a devil in the world. <laughs> We go to church and we praise God, but we forget that we have an enemy. He is a real person. And believe me, read Isaiah 54. He holds meetings. And your name is on the agenda. And your family name is on the agenda. Guess what? God also holds meetings. Read Job chapter 1. God held a meeting, and Satan came in among them. And he said, God said to Satan, where have you been? He says, I've gone to and fro on the earth. Guess who he's been watching? You. And when he holds his meetings with his demons, as God also holds his meetings with his angels and the beings around him, uh, guess who, uh, what's happening? There's the devil and his demons, and the agenda has your name on there. And their plan is, how are we going to get this person discouraged? He prays too much. Hello? He reads his Bible too much. This witnessing thing is a problem to us. How are we going to stop him? And one demon suggests this. He says, I don't think that's good. He'll he'll catch that. That's not a good plan. Another demon soldier, that's a good one. He won't see that. And you're sleeping in your bed, not knowing what's been planned against your life. That's why the Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up tongue, that's the tongue of the devil in their meeting. Every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, God says, condemn it. Amen. And when you condemn it, it's condemned in heaven. Why would God tell you to condemn a tongue that's not going to affect your life? That's not, that's not, that doesn't make sense. What they are planning and what they are saying will affect your life, so God says, cancel it. Amen. I have a bad dream, and I wake up shaking and afraid. I don't have to be afraid. I'll tell that dream. Let me tell you what. That you will never manifest in this natural life. As long as Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand, you will never see like the day lights. No light of day. So don't get discouraged. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly accusing you before your God. Read Revelation chapter 12. Read Revelation chapter 12, especially verse 10. He says, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. It's as if the power was invoking. Now is come the power of his Christ. Because the accuser of the brethren has been cast down, who accused them day and night before our God. So the accuser can cause you to get discouraged, telling you no good. Did you remember the sin you committed last year? That's what's affecting you right now. That's why you are not making any progress in life. God doesn't like you, He likes Pastor Wendy. <laughs> And he tells you all of those things. And you sit there. He seems as if you are thinking. No, you are not thinking. Satan is whispering to you. And meanwhile you are sitting there saying, Yes, tell me more devil. Please tell me more. Um, I feel bad already. He says, Yes, you feel bad. Yes, I do feel bad. Tell me more. But you need to stand up. Amen? You need to stand up. One of the greatest cause of discouragement is lack of faith in God. Lack of faith in God. One of the greatest. That's the last place to go. I remember in my country, they don't have medicine. No medicine much. If you're sick in Nigeria right now, I mean, it seems like the way I see it... the the poverty is so severe there are no very good hospitals and if if there are you may not even know where they are in the country so to go there so the people depend on God 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 alone just God alone and some of them even depend on voodoo doctors that's a place I'll never go (laughs) amen I used to but never don't fear them anymore don't go to them but people are worried. And they come to God. And if God doesn't answer them, broken. They say there's nowhere to go. I remember some years back when we started ministry, Angel and I, I was in this village where I had held, a, it's called, you won't know, know it, but it's called Lumé, But God had done so many miracles. And there was a lady that came and she was crippled. She couldn't stand. And while I was speaking in the open, she was able to stand, but it couldn't work. And usually I will meet them during the meet with them during the day and talk to them one-to-one and pray for them, because some of them, they, they don't get healed unless you touch them. <laughs> they pray general prayer for everybody it doesn't work for them. They want to be touched. It's a personal touch. So I make myself available for them during the day, and I sit one-to-one, and I pray for them one-to-one. Very exhausting, but it's, it's very rewarding, I'm telling you, to see them coming sad and going out shouting because the Holy Ghost has touched them. It's an exciting thing. And this afternoon I was there, and uh, I was praying for them all morning, and it was getting late because I had to go back, get ready, and come back to the crusade ground to preach to the crowd. And, uh, the, but the pastors kept saying, you've got to go home, you've to rest. Before you come back. But when I try to stand. A sick person comes in. And so there was no way. They said please pray for me. And then finally the pastors got so upset. And they said no. This is the last time. If they want to get healed. Let them come to the crusade. That's it. You got to go. And as soon as I stood up to leave. uh, That woman that was crippled came in. And she was begging them. And they said no. And she was wailed, I mean you can hear the wail and the cry, the pain, the agony and I turned to go and the pastor said, look if she really meant business, I don't know what her problem was, but she wasn't there, I'd been there for money they said, if she really meant business, she should have come, you have to go and they, they just kind of surrounded me and kind of got me, to, and I could hear that night was tough for me to sleep, all I was hearing was that woman's wail whether she came to crusade, I have no idea. My point is, when you she sh- looked, she was looking to me, to our God, right? And once I was not there, she did despair. Everything was gone, discouraged. That's what happens when you don't trust God. I was a point. When you lose faith in God, you are vulnerable, and that's where great this. Uh, Discouragement comes. When you believe that God is giving you something, a plan for your life. This is a dream from God. And then you you think through that dream and you're thinking, Oh, if God, when God gets through with this, many will receive Christ. God will be glorified. And you think about it and you pray and you fast. When it falls through, guess what comes? You're discouraged. You're not even able to try again. You're thinking, and some of us suffer this. I don't want to try to believe God because if He doesn't come through, my faith is going to go further down. How many has ever been there? You can't trust Him anymore. But that's not the place to be. Pull yourself up. And I'm going to share from the Word of God what to do so that you can get back to what the promise God has given to you. You see, I'm coming up with this sermon. Set back. It's a reset for something greater. Setback is not, when God allows a setback, it's not to knock you down and knock you over, just kill you. No. Setback for God, when God is involved and God has given you a plan, that setback, whatever it is, is a reset for God for something much greater. That's what it is. Joseph had a setback. He had, a, he had such great dreams. He was going to be great. Even his father would bow. And his mother. And then. From that top of the mountain. Dream that he had. To a pit. A dry pit. His brothers put him there. And they said. Your dream has gone. But that setback was his way back, following the path. You know, God leads us in the paths of righteousness for what? For his name's sake. It's not about you. It's not all about you. Don't get discouraged. It's really about you because God loves you. But when you are going through difficult times, that's his path. Jesus went through difficult times, dying for us. That's God's path for Him to be the real Savior of all of us. We have to understand that. What do people do when they get discouraged? They abandon. They abandon their project, right? They abandon their goal. It's not working. And guess what they do? Most of the time, they turn to something different. Sometimes it's entertainment. Sports. Hello? Football and basketball, morning till night, just sitting down there watching whatever show you're watching on television. You're discouraged. Most times people don't even realize that they've been discouraged. They find somebody to blame. Right? <laughs> and feel good about watching sports and television. Just what? Escape. Comfort. Television, comfort sometimes people engage in travel if they have money it's time to travel (laughs) from one place to the other cruises right but the discouragement is still there some people instead of working on the marriage and working well they bury themselves in the career i want to better myself but the problem is still there you were working at it you think it's not going to work now you focused on something else well go back to the problem God will move that problem for you. Amen? Just because God, it seems like God said no one time doesn't mean he's not there helping you. He was there. That's Joseph. Now, when we read the scripture, we, we, we read about Joseph, we're thinking, after he was lifted from the pit and he was in Potiphar's house, and God said to him, Joseph, I am with you. No, that's what God recorded for us to know. Joseph didn't hear anything. But what was happening, Joseph was there, and the Bible says, but God was with Joseph. Because he never accepted discouragement. He knew he was going through the path that God has created for him. Sometimes people not only go into entertainment, they go into alcohol, hello, the drink, just to dull the pain, and some use drugs. None of these things will help you. What it would do, it will drive you deeper into discouragement. We need help. Now I'm going to submit to you that the Bible has all the answers. There is no problem in this world. There is nothing that you can go through in this life that the Bible doesn't have an answer for. The Bible has every, the answer to every problem. That you can ever face in this life. And let me give you another news. You are not the first one there. And let me tell you. Your problem is not as great as the other guy. Going through about the same thing. So don't get discouraged. God has the answer to every single problem. So what we want to do is look back to the book. Amen. Amen the bible how did god encourage his people when they got discouraged what did he do to get them you know god says don't be afraid i am with you don't be dismayed i am your god god says i'll help you i will uphold you with my righteous right hand amen god will always be there for his people all, he always will be there for His people. That's who the God is. God has the answer. I started reading in the book of uh, Ezra. And we found a scripture there where the people of God was, uh, were discouraged. What had happened if you read in Ezra chapter 1? Cyrus, the king of Persia... This was after they had been taken from the land of Israel and went into the land of captivity. You read about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had been taken from Judah and been taken to another land. And they were living outside because God was judging them because of the sins of their fathers. And Daniel cried out to God and people prayed. The prophecies were given by Jeremiah the prophet. And everything came to pass. Jeremiah told them, they'll carry you guys away. And that's exactly what happened. But Jeremiah also said, when the time is come, God will bring every one of you back. And everything will go back to the way it used to be. Nehemiah, the walls. But now, in you reading the book of Ezra, God, in in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, God began to walk. God actually told this Gentile king... I want you to build, rebuild the temple of Solomon that Nebuchadnezzar threw down. Can you imagine that? God's telling a Gentile king, somebody who didn't know God at all. God awoke in him because God had spoken to his servant Jeremiah and God will not allow his word to fall to the ground. May God's promise to your life never fall to the ground in Jesus' name. If God has given you a dream, that dream will never fall to the ground as long as Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. Your dream will be fulfilled. When God remembers his people, he moves. And there's no one that he can get to. God didn't have to go to all the servants. He went directly to the man who had the authority to make it happen. He went all the way to Cyrus, who was the king of the world. Cyrus said, God in heaven. The God he didn't know. He says, that God of heaven, he is the one that gave all the nations and put all the nations under my power. He says, that God has commanded me to, to build, rebuild that temple in Jerusalem. Yes. Amen. And then he said, he wrote everything down. He said, decree. he wrote everything down. He said to the Jews, every one of you Jews that want to go back, you are free to go back to Judah and to Jerusalem and build the temp- temple to the God of heaven. He said, those of you that don't feel like going, make sure you support them with your finances. The gold and everything. And then he said, everything that Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple, they are stored here. You guys go back there, get everything, the gold and everything, get back to the land and build that temple. Amen. They all went. Some of them stayed behind, of course. (laughs) That always happens. And then they started building. They had sacrifice and all of that. And then you can read in chapter 1, when they laid the foundation of the temple. It said that the people of, uh, of Judah, Israel, they cried out. The younger ones cried out. To with joy, shouting, he said, "Everybody, everywhere, their shouts and the, the noise of it filled the sky. Everyone could hear, could hear." But as they shouted with joy, those that, ha- that saw the temple of Solomon when he was standing, they were crying, and you couldn't tell the difference between the shouts of those that were shouting crying. And those that were shouting rejoicing. It was all mixed together. (laughs) They were so excited to build. But then something happened. Opposition came. I read the scripture here. In Ezra chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. It says, then the people of the land tried to do what? To discourage the people of Judah. They try to discourage them. When Satan comes, he's to discourage you from your goal, from your dream. For whatever God gave to you, he wants to discourage you and he brings in opposition. They troubled them in building. They won't let them build. They troubled them. They wrote letters to the king. It says, they hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus. Notice, even though the king was still there, they were still able to stop them. Even though God gave the word, Satan can still come into it to try to discourage you. Guess what? They came to try to discourage the people. They were successful, they discouraged them. You know, they quit building. They didn't call back to the king. They quit building. They didn't build. You know how many years? 16 years. They stopped building. Because of discouragement. They stopped building because of discouragement. For 16 years, they stopped building. And guess what they were doing? Just as the normal case. They started living their lives. They started building their own homes. They started building things for themselves. I'm sure they were saying to themselves, we're okay, <laughs> we're right. Uh, we, at least we came back to the land. There are still some of them back there. That's why the Bible says, those who compare themselves with others, you're not wise. They were all in the same, the same place. How did God get them through from that situation, 16 years? You know what God did? He raised two prophets up to destroy that discouragement. Two prophets. Haggai and Zechariah. Two of them he raised. And both of them were prophesying to them at the same time. Haggai was really rough with them. Haggai was the prophet if you don't do it, you're going to burn in hell. He was rough. He came after them and their sins. Telling them, if you don't repent, this is what God's going to do to you. You've got to repent. And he was hard. The prophet Haggai was really rough on them. Let me read what Haggai says. Haggai 1 verse thirty-four, uh, verse 3 and 4. Then Hagar the prophet spoke the word of the Lord. Is it right for you to be living in fancy houses while the temple is still in ruins? He was pointing out, pointing out, we know you're discouraged, but what you're doing, you're distracted. Now you are comforting yourself with your homes and your fancy house. That's what people do when they get discouraged. But he's saying, he's it right before God that you have abandoned your purpose, your goal, your God given dream? And you look at what you're doing now. Things that are less important in the schemes of the things of heaven. That's what he was telling them. But Zechariah, he was the prophet of hope. Zechariah was the prophet of hope. He'll go into what they were doing, but immediately he will reverse that and says he'll begin to encourage them. You can read in a, a Zechariah chapter one, verse seventeen, he says, Proclaim to these people again, my cities will now be built. And prosperity is coming. The cities are going to be built. He's telling them something positive. And if you read in Zechariah, he tells us in this, this scripture here, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, In the eighth month of the second year, Darius was king. Now Cyrus is gone. Now Cyrus Darius was there as king. The Lord spoke his word to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, who was the son of Edo. The Lord said, the Lord was very angry with your ancestors. So tell the people, this is what the Lord all-powerful says. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord all-powerful. The you other know words, what he's saying, God says, come back. Go back to what you were doing. Go back. He, come back to me and I will come to you. Ezra chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. The scripture to say that God brought these two prophets together. Then the prophet Agai and Zechariah, the son of Edo. Notice when Ezra refers to Zechariah, he says, Zechariah, the son of Edo. But actually, Zechariah is the son of Berechiah and the son of Edo. But Ezra will just refer to him as the son of Edo. We're coming to that. It says, prophets prophesied to the Jews... Who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel. Who were over them. So, Zerubbabel, the one that received all of that. And the son of Shatel. And Jeshua, the son of... Shetel, and Joshua, the son of Je- oh, oh boy. Zosadok. Rose up and began to build the house of God. Note, notice what they did. They rose up now and they began to build. Because of what? The work of these two prophets. The work of these two prophets. Zechariah was the prophet of hope. It's an amazing thing when God does these things, even with names. God is doing something. Zechariah, the prophet of hope. You know what the word the meaning of the name Zechariah? What the mean what it means? Whom God remembers. That's the word Zechariah. He was the son of Berechiah. You know what that means? He blesses. And his last name, his grandfather's name, Edo, you know what that means? At the appointed time. Whom the Lord remembers, he blesses at the appointed time. Whom the Lord remembers, he blesses at the appointed time. There's always an appointed time. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. There's always an appointed time. So God raised this prophet, the prophet of hope. The other one to show them their ways, that their ways were wrong, so that they can turn, and then the prophet of hope tells them, God's going to bless you. God will supply the finances. God will supply all the resources you need. There is nothing that is impossible with God. God is able to do it. When God remembers what you are going through, it's time for you to be blessed. You can read back in, in Exodus. He said, the Lord came down. He said, I hear the cry of my people and I've remembered my covenant with Abraham and i am come down to deliver them from the land of Egypt. That's your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. I have come down from heaven to deliver them. Amen. Amen. He will come down from heaven to deliver you. I can't go into this because I've got to close. But there are things, what happened right after this, how the children of Israel were able to stand when they had received words from these prophets. How they were able to stand against another powerful opposition. And what they did, and what God did because of what they did. And you know, I'm going to tell you this because it's next we will continue. Notice, after they started the work and they refused the opposition, a second opposition. You know how long it took them to finish the work? Less than five years. It's a few years. They have finished the building. Stones, huge stones and everything. They finished it. Because they refused after they received the words of the prophet to be discouraged. And they finished God's work. So whatever you are building in your life. Amen. Maybe you, have, you quit because of whatever it is that discourages you. Today before you leave, pick that vision up again. Pick that, pick that dream up again. And say, if God be for us. Who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Father, we thank you. There's a lot I want to share, but I don't have, my t- I don't have the time. Father, we thank you. I don't want to start and break it halfway, so I'm going to continue. I have a lot that I want to share. Uh, next time, we'll continue with this. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy for your people. How much we loved. We're so loved, Father. Thank you. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, came to the world. And he died on the cross for us. And Jesus told us, Gave us his mission statement. All written. And my mind written in blood. Amen. His own blood. He said, I came that they might have life. And that they might have it more abundantly. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Believe me, you don't know what you're missing. We all need him. I need him. Even though I've accepted him into my life. I need him every day. We need him. If you're here this morning and have not welcomed Jesus fully, I mean with all of your heart. People go to church, but they don't truly welcome Jesus completely into your heart. We're not talking about going to church. We're talking about a relationship with God himself. God Almighty, you and God. He's calling you to have a relationship. He's been waiting for you You can make that happen today by saying yes to God. Yes, God, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. At least I want to know the God that created me before I depart from this earth. I want to know him personally. I want to know God. And that's possible. Jesus has made that possible for every one of us. We can know God. God said we can know him. And if that were not true, God wouldn't have said so. We can truly know God. And you can start today in your journey to knowing God better so that life will be better for for you and your family and the generations after if Jesus tarries. So if you're here this morning and you say, I want that relationship, I want to close that relationship with God. I want to rededicate my life to God. I want to give Him everything. Jesus, His arms are open wide. He wants to welcome you this morning. If that's you at the count of three, please put your hand up and I'm going to pray for you and I know God will answer. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. Thank you. I see the hands. Thank you. Thank you. Let's stand up. Although I'm going to make you sit after but stand up with me right now. <laughs> Say this prayer with me. Sometimes we think that when we are speaking like that, we're just saying, repeating something somebody said to say, but if you said it from your heart, He heard you. And believe me, at that particular point, you have given God permission. He's always wanted to bless you. Amen? But you, just by you saying it, you gave Him permission. Now, He can come into your life, and Satan cannot accuse Him of being unjust. Because He remains ever just. You give Him that permission, He comes in. And He comes in big. That's the way I see prayer. Prayer is to give God permission to come into my situation. And that's what we do. So, please pray with me this morning. And mean it. Amen. Say with me, Heavenly Father, thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Today, With all of my heart, I accept Jesus, the Son of God, as the Savior of my life. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Strengthen my heart. Give me a new heart and a new spirit. Help me to serve you with all of my being. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for accepting me into your family, the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.